Welcome back to Bible Time, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Father, in Jesus' name, please help us today to understand your word. Give me understanding and illumination as I preach, and give understanding and illumination to those that hear, Father. Give Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey in Jesus' name and for Christ's sake so that we can be more like Jesus. Help us to take this to heart and to leave different than when we came, Father, in Jesus' name. More like Jesus, Lord, that's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We could call the message today, prove all things. We could call it, hold fast that which is good. Really, this verse just has its title all in itself. This thought is a basic thought. Again, these final exhortations from the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica are very basic, very simple, but the depth of them is incredible because it delves into the depths of biblical truth. And the Bible is a very simple book, but it's a very deep book. It's a book that even a little child can understand in the basic concepts and things that are in it, but it's a book that the old wise man that has studied all his life can never find the bottom of because it's a divine book. It's an infinite book. It's God's book and God's word. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We're going to look at this, prove all things first. How many of you know that you can't believe everything you hear or see? Not everything that you hear on the internet is worth listening to. Not every podcast you run into is worth listening to. Not everything that this preacher says on Bible time is worth listening to. Not everything you see on YouTube, the internet, Wikipedia, Reddit, blogs, books, magazines, newspapers, TV, reality TV shows, which are the furthest thing from reality most of the time. Not everything that you see out there you can believe. You can't just turn on a TV and watch CNN and say, it's true. Most of the time, it's not at all. Most of what they're saying is skewed. Most of what they're saying on most news out there today is all slanted. They only give part of the story. They withhold information. They give information to get, to lead you to false conclusions. And then they tell you what actually part of what actually happened after giving you information that slants your mind and makes you think what they want you to think before they tell you what actually happened instead of just telling you what happened and leaving you to formulate their own opinions because they're a bunch of mind engineers, they're social programmers, and they think it's their responsibility to make you think the way that they want you to think. You can't believe the news today. You can't believe anything that you read. You probably never could believe the news, for that matter. People have always been people, (coughs) and news has always been news. There's been slanted news as long as there's been news. You remember whenever David was waiting on the news from the battle with Absalom and they sent back two runners and the first runner, he came with the real story and the second runner, he wanted to run anyway. So Joab sent him and he got to David and he said to David that everything was good. He says, it's all good. We won the battle. And David said, what about Absalom? And the first and the messenger who'd ran second said, I saw a commotion, but I didn't know what it was. And he lied. He withheld information from the king. There's always been slanted news. And then finally, the other guy got there and he told him the whole story. (coughs) So here... Um, We have fake news out here. We've got real news. How do you know which one it is? You say, well, the guy that I watch, he always tells the truth. Yeah, right. Nobody but Christ always tells the truth. 
Everybody makes mistakes. Some of them honest mistakes. Most people purposeful mistakes. You can't believe everything, by the way, that you see at church. You can't believe everything you hear at revival meetings, at seminary, etc. There's a saying that goes around, take it with a grain of salt. They say, that guy said, uh, that guy said the stock market was going to crash. Take it with a grain of salt. He always thinks he knows what's going on. That guy thinks stocks are going to go up. He thinks that we're going to have a bull market. Take it with a grain of salt. You never know if that, guy's, what, if that guy knows anything or if he's just shooting off his mouth. And we have this saying, take it with a grain of salt. That means that you could put it, take a pair of balances. The idea behind that idiom, if it isn't, if I've got that right, even is that if you take a pair of balances and you put on one side what the man said, you can put a grain of salt on the other side and you'll find that they have equal value. What he's saying is that that man's word is as good as a grain of salt. You can take it to the bank, a grain of salt. He said, I'll be there tomorrow. I promise. and, And then somebody says, yeah, you know that guy. Take it with a grain of salt. What they're saying is that his word is about as has about as much value as a single grain of salt. It's not really worthwhile. But in reality, don't even take it with a grain of salt. What I'm saying here today is if it's garbage, throw it out. Don't even keep a grain of salt's worth of garbage around you. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to dig into this a little bit today. Lord being our helper. And try and shake this cough. And you pray for my throat. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they be of God, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. (coughs) The Bible says to prove all things. That word to prove all things means to put it on trial. Make it go under um, severe scrutiny. Everything that you are presented with in life, you should bring put under scrutiny. The world wants to teach you to have an open mind. God wants you to have an open mind to his word and a closed mind to everything else. A closed mind to everything that contradicts God's word. Now, some people say, oh, well, that's very narrow-minded. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in there, and narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Did you know that God's way is a narrow way? And if you go the broad way, you'll miss God's way. God's way is a narrow way. Let's pray again. Father, in Jesus' name, I need your help. I need your anointing, Lord. 
I'm weak. I'm powerless. I need your filling. I need your touch. Lord, cleanse me. Make me holy. Make me pure. Fill me with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, and anoint me, Father, so that I can preach your word. Help me, Lord, to be about my Father's business. Help me not to waste one second, Lord, of your time, Lord, or of these people's time. Father, help me to bring the word today with power and not just with man's wisdom. I don't want to just give a good talk, Lord God. It's useless. Lord, in the word of the King, there is power, Lord, and we need your word today. Please speak through me, Father. Use me in spite of myself and help me, Father, to be your messenger today in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in the in the Word of God, in Acts 17, if you go there real quickly, we'll find a group of people that proved all things, a group of people that tried all things, that put things in the balances, that weighed truth, and they weighed it against the Scripture. The Bible says a just weight is his delight, speaking of the Lord, but it says a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord. There's a lot of people running around today with false balances. They have no idea how to correct correctly judge how to correctly try truth <coughs> back in the days whenever they would use a pair of balances and a set of weights some places in the world they probably still do this but they would have a balance it would be like a stem coming up with a with two branches coming off that hinge in the middle on the stem and from those branches would hang two baskets. You've probably seen, possibly here in America, a statue of what we call Lady Justice, and she has her eyes blindfolded, and um, with her eyes blindfolded, she's holding up a balance, and the balance is actually hanging in that case, and it has the hinged branches with the two baskets and the point of that picture is that justice is not looking at how rich you are or how poor you are it is just weighing the truth that's the idea of a true balance and a true balance means that if you have if you're going to buy 1 pound of bananas that they would take a 1 pound weight and put it in the basket and then they would put bananas in the other side until the two were even and when the two were even you know you have one pound of bananas so what people would do for to have a false balance they would rig their balance so that it would show one pound whenever they were selling you 0.85 pounds of bananas or 0.9 pounds of bananas however much they thought they could get away with there's just depending on the local area they might start small and only be selling you nine nine eight pounds of banana for one pound's worth of bananas prices but then they can offer a lower price than their competitor and they're still making the same profit and everybody comes to buy their bananas so that's the whole thing with the balances and this whole idea of balances false balance is an abomination to the lord now what they would do is when they bought bananas from the guy that came from the jungle and he brought all his bananas into market to sell to the merchant the merchant would have a weight under in his desk that would weigh in um, heavier at like 1.2 pounds. So he would buy a pound of bananas. He would pay the man that brought the farmer. He would pay him. Uh, he would pay him for a pound of bananas and take more than a pound of bananas. Does that make sense? And then whenever he sold them, he'd switch weights and he'd put in the weight that was 0.9 pounds. 
And so now he's selling less than a pound of bananas for the price of a pound. And you see how he's cheating people on both sides with his false weight. And today what we have, this idea of proving is this idea of putting ideas, putting thoughts, putting actions, putting words in a balance, weighing them out to see if they're true, to see if they're if they're sincere, to see if they're reality. And today we have false balances. Today everyone in the world is being given false false balances. The news media is giving false balances. The education system is giving false balances. People have gotten away from the Bible. The Bible is the true balance. The Bible is the true measure. The the Holy Word of God, the scriptures are the true weight. If you get away from those scriptures, you will get a false balance. You've got to keep your eyes on the scriptures. You've got to learn the scriptures and follow the scriptures and obey the scriptures in order to have a true balance. Here in Acts 17, these men of Berea understood where to get the true balance. And here came Paul, some guy rolled into their town. This apostle shows up. And here he is with all his miracles and wonders. And they could have said, wow, look at that guy. He can do all kinds of cool tricks. We're going to listen to him. But look at what the Bible says that this church did in Berea in Acts 17 and verse 11. It says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word. This is speaking of the Jews. These received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were So, therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. There's a contrast here between the Thessalonican Jews and the Berean Jews. The Thessalonican Jews did not like what Paul was saying, so they threw him out. They did not prove his words. They did not go to the Bible and study the Bible to see if Paul was telling the truth. Instead, they got filled with envy. They got filled with hatred. They got filled with bitterness. They got filled with annoyance and frustration. And instead of going to the Bible, they went to their own minds. And they took their own knowledge and they pitted their own knowledge against what Paul was saying. And so it was a battle between what they said they knew and what Paul was saying saying, and of course they won. In their own minds, they were right. The Bible says a sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. We've got sluggards out here today that work 95 hours a week and they make a good living and they pay for their kids college, but they never crack a Bible open to see where they're going to go when they die. They won't even take a John Romans. They say we're too busy and spiritually they're sluggards. They're absolutely lazy. They have laid down, laid aside the things that matter the most in life and they're going after the things that matter least and they're laboring to be rich and they're living in their own wisdom and when you try to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ they're wiser in their own conceits than seven men that can render a reason so they put their ideas in one side of the balance and they put your words in the other side of the balance and their ideas absolutely take it away And there your stuff looks like fluff. Everything you said looks like vanity and vain and empty because their ideas are treasured so highly by them that they're down here holding it all down. 
Now, the world can recognize this in the ignorant, bigoted individual. And the world hates ignorant, bigoted individuals who will not do their research and who just believe superstitiously in whatever they think and what their grandma said, and they won't do any research. The world hates that, but the world does it with spiritual things. They hate it whenever somebody will do it with scientific things, but they but they all do it with spiritual things and with the word of God. So the world will tell somebody going to college, you can't be bigoted. Your opinion doesn't matter. You need to get sources for what you believe. You need to have something. You need to be able to have references. If you give a scientific paper today on, let's say, the RSV virus, and you want to try and establish that the RSV virus is filamental or something like that, and you're going to do a study on it, let's say with electron microscopy, and you're going to do this study, you've got to source that stuff. I just happened to be looking at a study on the RSV virus the other day, and it had actually yesterday, and that study had, I think it was 90 pages of references for a 157 page study. And I think it was 90 pages of references. There were more pages of references than there were information. They had more pages to tell you where they got their information than they had the information that they had distilled down for you to digest. And that's how the world does it. And there's some wisdom in that if you get the right references. You see, you can get references that tell you anything. And that's where our world has really gone to pot because we've thrown out the one true reference. We have thrown out the only true source of all wisdom and knowledge, the word of God. And so now we're going to other people. Oh, and we think we're so humble because we can get 90 pages of references on our scientific sheet. But guess what? Those are somebody else's opinion. And then somebody else is going to reference your paper that you wrote with the references from them. And it's circular. It's people confirming people. It's opinions confirming opinions. It's all basically at its roots. Listen to me today. It's at its roots. The vast majority of sourcing and references happening today in colleges across this land are opinions of men. Some of it is based on verifiable scientific repeated data, repeatable data. Most of it is based off opinions of men. And if you can write down 75 sources for your science paper or your history paper, people think that you're erudite and they think that you're wise, but you're basing your entire life off of opinions of men. And the word of God is not an opinion of man. The word of God came by when the, by instinct inspiration of the Holy Ghost when holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's verifiable, by the way. You say, how do you know that? You're just looking at the opinions of men about religion. No, I'm looking at opinions that God gave through men that therefore are not opinions but laws, and they're verifiable, they're repeatable, they're certifiable, and this Bible is full of references to the source that the information came from, Almighty God and he shows throughout the word of God the scientific reasons to believe God because God is who he says and God gives all kinds of raw evidence so that you can understand and believe him. Jesus said, if you believe me not for my words sake, believe me for the works sake. 
He said, I am proving to you that I am who I am by what I am doing. I am proving it. I'm giving you verifiable evidence so that you can know that I am telling you the truth. And then he told him something else. We're going to see that here. Um, Go to John chapter 5 and verse 39. John chapter 5, the Berean church was more noble than the Thessalonican church because they searched the scriptures. They went to the Bible and they used the Bible to measure Paul's words. The church, the Jews at Thessalonica would not do that. A few of them did and got saved, but most of them would not go back to the Bible. They weighed Paul's words against their own opinions, against their rabbis. They could probably put up 75 pages, a thousand pages of rabbinical references that would say that Paul was wrong and what he was saying couldn't be true, but Paul was lining up with the Bible. And those at Berea were more noble than they at Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And the Bible says, therefore, a good many of them believe. John chapter 5 and verse 39. Here Jesus Christ says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me testifying is a legal act that is done in a judicial system to testify falsely is isn't it called perjury i'm not sure i think it's called perjury if you testify and you lie in court you're in big trouble testimony is a serious thing testimony is judicial evidence by the way today if the greatest scientist that is alive today has a fender bender and there's an argument about who done it you will have to stand before court and it may be a hobo's testimony that changes this that actually swings the decision of the court do you hear me To this day, with all of our science, with all of our technological advancements, with all of our skyscrapers and our space station and moon landing and all the things that man has done, the Voyager stuff, the space probes, all these things that we've done, the testimony of credible witnesses is still upheld in the court of law as verifiable evidence that can solve crimes. Recently, a Supreme Court justice was nominated to go to the Supreme Court, and there was a huge battle over it. I'm not going to get into all of that. I don't want to. I don't want to get bogged down in all that. His, I think it was Justice Kavanaugh, and there were all of these accusations made against Justice Kavanaugh. People were saying he did this bad thing, he did that bad thing, he did this bad thing, and then what ended up happening was they had they had witnesses that testified. And they looked at the different testimonies of the witnesses to see if anyone had multiple witnesses that agreed. And then they checked it and fact checked it against other resources like Kavanaugh's calendar from back in those days that showed he was in a different place. And what swung the decision was that they were able to invalidate the testimony. Otherwise, Kavanaugh would have been indicted because of the testimony of witnesses. Witness 
testimony is one of the greatest pieces of evidence available to the justice system today, and it always will be. There's other evidence that you can use, like calendars and a hair or a fingernail found in the bottom carpet of an abandoned car in the back lot of a scrapyard. There's all kinds of things that they use out there to solve crime, but the testimony of credible witnesses that are validated, if you can discredit the witness, then the testimony gets thrown out. But if you have a credible witness and that testimony is evidence in the court of law, God has given you verified credible witness of credible testifiers testimony that is legal evidence to the truth and the veracity of his own word. He says here in the word of God, search the scriptures for they are they which testify of me. God wants you to take the verified certified testimony testimony of credible witnesses in the word of God and put that in one side of your mental balance. Remember the balances? He wants you to put that word of God in one side and then every single thing that comes in your life, he wants you to put it in the other side and weigh it against the scriptures. Those things that hold true, keep them. Those things that do not hold true, Throw them out. That's by inference. He says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The Bereans did this to Paul. Here comes a miracle-working, wonder-doing apostle. If anybody could have just been taken at his word, it would have seemed like it would have been the Apostle Paul ruling in a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a a Pharisee, a son of the Pharisees, risen and raised up at the feet of Gamaliel, one with all of this experience, all of this learning. For his day and age, this guy was a multiple PhD expert in his fields. Paul had it all. He had the signs. He had the wonders. He had the educations. He had the power. He had the influence. He had the moneyed parents. He had Roman citizenship in the high, in the greatest, um, in the greatest world empire at that time. And yet these little Jews in Berea fact checked him with the Bible. They got out their Bible every day and read it to make sure that what they heard was true. And when it lined up with the Bible, they held fast. And this is what Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica to do. Hold fast, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The Bible calls the Bereans noble. I want you to know today, listen carefully, there is nothing holy about being stupid. There is nothing holy and righteous about being ignorant. There is nothing holy and Christ-like about being a lemming and just doing what you're told by your religious leaders. There is nothing in that that pleases God. God is a God of wisdom. God is a God of knowledge. God is a God of understanding. By the way, all of the modern advancements in science and technology have at their basis and at the foundation of them the work of Christians who believe in God. Some of them were messed up in doctrine. Some of them believed this. Some of them believed that. But at the basis of every advancement in modern science, 
There are foundational truths that were improved upon or built by people who believed in God. You say, what about the Arabs? Originally, they did too. And where did they advance? Mostly mathematics. And God has used them. And some cultures have advanced greatly in mathematics and, um, and been very godless. But especially in our day and age, Sir Isaac Newton, for example, a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Benjamin Franklin, who they claim was a deist, was raised Christian and has a lot of evidence to show that he believed a lot more in God than the deists believe in God. Whatever other ideas he had that were wrong. I'm not saying he was a great Christian, but I am saying he had at his foundation a belief in God and in God's power and interaction with man. And we could go on and on and on on. Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone system, one of the first messages that went over the telephone, the first one publicly that went over the, the telephone was a mess, was a scripture verse. Over and over and over again, you can find that it was men who believed the Bible to some degree that advanced science. And we have thrown out the Bible in America, and science is in a retrograde. Now, some of you scientists out there, you think that I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about because you all think that we're about to build phasers and in an intergalactic battle star and go start going between the worlds and colonizing them and doing phase shifts and all this stuff because you've been watching sci fi and eating your popcorn all your life, and you're out of touch with reality. As much as you know, science is in a retrograde right now. Science has been going backwards. Science has left God, and science is going backwards, and we are destroying ourselves with our science today because of the reprobate minds that have taken the raw facts of science and twisted them and perverted them, and science is in a retrograde today. Science is built on biblical principles. True science is. The idea that you should fact check something is biblical. God wants you to find evidence for what you believe. God wants you to study. God wants you to get knowledge. God wants you to find out knowledge with witty inventions. God wants you to discern the words of the wise and their dark sayings. God wants you to know. Daniel in the Bible, one of the most holy men of God was the head of the entire Chaldean science wing. They called those guys astrologers and, sooth astrologers and soothsayers. They were a bunch of wizards and no goods that couldn't do anything. And then when Daniel showed up believing in God and his word, he changed the whole thing. Changed the whole thing. And guess what the Bible called Daniel? A dispeller of doubts. He understood hard sayings. He was a dispeller of doubts. Solomon, one of the greatest kings that ever lived, and because of his sin, departed from God, but God gave him more wisdom than any man alive, and he advanced science in his age. God is a logical God. God is a God of order. God ordained scientific law. This world operates on scientific laws that are unchangeable. You cannot alter them. 
And if it wasn't for scientific law, there would be no foundation for any of the advancements that we have made. But I'm telling you today, listen to me, I'm not trying to exalt science. I'm exalting to you today the word of God. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Did you know that that is the scientific method as the scientific method is supposed to be? The scientific method is to make observations, discover ways to test your observations, to see if they are true. If your, obs- if your testing proves your observation wrong, you throw it out or alter it and make new observations and test it again until you have verifiable, certifiable, actual discoveries and inventions that work. This is how we're supposed to approach the Bible. Not with only fleshly wisdom, with faith in God, believing God for who he is, but taking the Bible literally as a factual book and studying it and testing it line against line, precept upon precept, back and forth, front to back, looking it, sifting it through and making sure that we are coming to an understanding that fits within the scope of all of scripture. If you do not do that, you will have heresy, ignorance, stupidity, and you'll be teaching all kinds of, oh, God, help me. You'll be teaching all kinds of dung in the name of Bible. And you'll be believing it. And you'll be an ignorant lemming following a bunch of religious leaders marching lockstep with a bunch of ignorant, foolish people. Prove all things. Just because somebody wears a tall hat and has a golden ball sitting on his lap and a stick with a curly cue doesn't mean he knows God. You've got a Bible and you need to get back to the Bible, get in the Bible, stay in the Bible, study the Bible, prove all things, put them to the test. Don't just believe everything everybody says for Christ's sake. You say, I don't believe everything everybody says. I just believe what these few people say. Don't believe what a few people say. Don't believe what this preacher says. Unless you can back it up with scripture yourself. Listen, all this good all this will do you is give you a jump start. The only good that Bible time this podcast will do you is give you a jump start and prompt you to remember things that you've studied yourself and give you a desire to study the Bible yourself. And if you won't do that, you'll just be an ignorant lemming. And wherever I make mistakes, you'll make the same stupid mistakes. And God wants you to go on and do better and go past my idiocies and shortcomings that I'm trying to overcome by the power of God and by studying his word. Listen to me today. Satanic religion. Satanic religion wants you to be ignorant. Satanic education wants you to be ignorant and trust people and take them at their word instead of fact-checking them and verifying whether or not what they are saying is true. Fools, the Bible says, despise wisdom and instruction. It says a wise man will increase in learning. 
A wise man will increase in learning. Oh, that means he's going to get a hundred books by a hundred different authors and read them all about the Bible. If you do that to increase in learning about the Bible, you're a wreck already. Get the Bible out. Put the Bible at the foundation of your life and of your learning, of your schooling, of your education. Weigh everything against the Bible. I don't care who it is and how many billions of dollars they spent in research whenever some guy comes out with a scientific finding that contradicts the word of God, he is wrong. This is the basis for truth. And by the way, it's always won. The Bible has always won and always will win. Every single lie that has ever been told that contradicts the word of God has been proven wrong and will be proven wrong again. The Bible always wins. And there are thousands, if not billions of men out there who have defied the Bible and contradicted the Bible and their little books they wrote and their research papers and all the money they spent and everything they ever did to disprove this book is blowing away in the sands of time. And today we've got another billions of people, probably more today than there have been at any other one time on the face of the earth since Noah's flood, scoffing the Bible, mocking the Bible, scorning the Bible, writing research papers that appear to contradict the Bible, doing studies, spending billions of dollars trying to discredit and disprove God's word. And they are going to fall away and be blown away like the chaff before the summer wind, just like the rest of them have from time ever since God began time. Here in the book of John, if you look at, we were there at 539 where Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have everlasting life. And they are they which testify of me. Let's read a couple more verses and then we'll go over to John 7. And he says, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. This is what we've been talking about. Okay. If a man comes in his own name, you'll read his stupid book. If a man comes in his own name, you'll read his stupid research paper and throw out God's holy word because some dude said something. He says, how can you believe which receive honor one from another, one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? By the way, this is the great fault, the great failing of the apologetics movement is because the apologetics movement seeks to validate the word of God with the writings of man. Good grief. That's like trying to patch a hole in a ship with bubble gum. It doesn't work. You can't prop up gold and silver and precious stones with wood, hay, and stubble. It's not going to last. I don't care how neat that little archaeological piece is that seems to verify Noah's flood, that little geological column, or that little archaeological piece that validates that Moses really did cross the Red Sea instead of a salt marsh. You know, those kinds of things are neat, but you've got to just get back to the Bible. And you've got to believe the Bible. We knew, we knew Moses crossed the Red Sea. We don't need to find the chariot wheels in the Red Sea to prove that he did it we know he did it because the bible said it the bible validates the bible you can look up our message warn them that are unruly to see where we where we give you the scriptural reasons that the bible is a self-existent self-validating book it does not need the honor of men 
No scientist can prove the Bible true because it's already been proven true. All he does is acquiesce to the reality that existed before he did his study. And it might be interesting, but if you put your faith in that stuff, you're going to sink. If you put your faith in answers book and stuff like that, you're going to sink. You better have your faith in the word of God, not the word of man. Do not think, he says, that I will accuse you to the father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? And there it is right there. If somebody will not believe Moses... They will not believe Christ. And boy, does that apply today because Moses taught us about creation and the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah, all of which they don't want to believe. The foundation for all of scripture, God used Moses to start. Moses as a type of Christ began the scriptures. Christ as a in his glorified body closed the scriptures in Revelation 22. Now here in John chapter 7 and verse 52, he's, um, here we find the Jews using similar words to Christ. And they say, search and look, search and look for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. So here we find an anomaly. Here you have people that are searching the scriptures. They're looking through the word of God. They're searching the scriptures. But the problem here is they don't want the truth. They're searching the scriptures for a reason to condemn Christ. And they found it. So they thought because they came with false presuppositions and they think that Christ is from Galilee. So here they say out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. So they've made several mistakes here. Number one, they missed Isaiah nine. Turn there real quick. We're just going to check it. Number two, Christ is more than a prophet, which is why they missed Isaiah 9. He's not just a prophet. He's God in the flesh. So here it says, um, Nevertheless, the dimness, dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus himself preaching, I am the light of the world. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. You go down through there and in verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the king that is the son of David. Jesus is king of kings, Lord of lords. And Jesus is also a prophet like unto Moses. He's all of the above. And they were cherry picking the scriptures and taking only the scriptures they wanted and the applications they wanted and ignoring raw truth. And yet they were searching the Bible. So here we see that people can claim to prove all things. Someone can hold up a Bible and say, I've read the whole book 
I hear about a guy on there. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know enough about him. I don't even want to know enough about him. He claims to be an expert on the King James Bible and can tell everybody why the King James Bible is not really God's word. And all he is is a rank liar. The things that he says, the things that he's claimed that I've heard that he's claimed are absolute rank lies. And he has no truth behind what he says, but he claims that he has searched the scriptures. And so people go, oh, look at that guy. But here's the problem. The people don't search the scriptures themselves. Do you hear me? It doesn't work to follow a man that searches the scriptures if you're not going to search the scriptures yourself. That's the whole point of this thing. Here you're commanded by God, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. You have got to search the scriptures if you are going to make it. If you do not search the scriptures, the day will come when a deceiver will come and deceive you and take you away from faith in the word of God and expose you for what you are, a fraud and a phony. You must search the scriptures yourself. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. You must prove that with all things and hold fast that which is good yourself. These guys missed it because they didn't want to see it. And then they're preaching like they had searched the scriptures, even though they haven't run into these guys all the time with their nice little white collars and their nice little masks and their nice little um, confirmations and all their little denominational things that they do. And they don't know the Bible worth anything. All they know is the books they've read about the Bible, but they claim that they know the Bible and they lead people astray because people don't read the Bible and study it for themselves you say you're beating a dead horse then we'll beat the dead horse i wish it was a dead horse it ain't no dead horse this is the pan this is the epidemic that has killed this nation this is the religious pandemic that has swept this nation is that people that claim to be christians do not get in the bible themselves And because of that, this nation has been swept with false prophets. And it doesn't matter what God does. God God can send revival. God can send power. God can send great preachers. But until the people that claim to be Christians get back to the old word of God with no edits, no cuts, no add-ins, the straight translation from the original texts into English, from the original text copied from original manuscripts that are evidenced again by clear evidence by their agreement one with another in thousands and thousands of verified copies if you won't get back to the straight old bible which in english is the king james bible and read it and study it you are shot you say oh well i study the bible every day and you study that stinking niv that blasphemes the name of Christ, you are going to be weak, you're building with wood, hay, and stubble, and you're stacking a few gems and gold things and thoughts that God is uh, that God has allowed you to glean from amongst the stubble of a false translation. And it's all going to come down someday, soon as somebody lights the wood, hay, and stubble that you're resting it all on. Get back to the Bible, the King James Authorized Version Bible, and read it, and study it, and show yourself approved for Christ's sake. Or you're going to fall. You're going to fall. It's going to come.
Listen, we'll we'll get there in a minute. We'll just keep. We're going to run a few scriptures and Lord willing, wrap it up. Go to First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. And I ask you just suffer the word of exhortation. That means bear with me and please give me the condescension of allowing me to try to stir you up to love and good works because that's what we're doing here. First Timothy two. And verse 15, well, I got the wrong Timothy. I think it's 2 Timothy. That's a good one there, but not what we're looking for. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. There's a lie out there that you need to study the Bible and everything else. No, you don't. Study the Bible. Understand truth. And then falsehood will appear falsehood to you because you know the truth. People who study counterfeit counterfeiting that are experts in, discer in discerning counterfeit money never study fakes. They study real money. They feel it. They study it. They stare at it. They study the real money, and then when the fakes show up, they can tell it's a fake. That's how they vote. That's how they've done it, and that's how you've got to do it. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. When you know something is dung, throw it out. How, listen to me. You're going to go out in the cow field and pick up a big old cow pie and bring it into the house and put it on the table and turn it around and look at it and study it and dig through it with a spoon and taste it and put a little bit here and try it in different recipes before you finally decide it's no good and throw it out the window? Or can you just walk up to it and prove it on the spot by the smell and walk around it without touching it? Huh? Hopefully you can just prove that it's no good by the smell and walk around it. Know what's good and you won't go after what's bad. 1 Timothy 6. A lot of the old timers used to eat coon and possum and all kinds of stuff. Rats and mice and whatever else they could eat because they were starving to death during the Great Depression. Why is it that nobody serves rat and possum at your standard fast food restaurants in America today? Because people have had enough food that they haven't had to eat that stuff. And when you eat good, good, good stuff that's not full of diseases and nastiness, you don't want the bad stuff. It's pretty simple. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, 20, he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Keep it. Hold fast to it. Don't let it go. He says, keep it. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. You here today and some of you listening on online, you have been given a trust. God is giving you the truth. Keep it. Hold fast to it. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. God's not against science. He's against fake science which is 90% of what passes for science today. All this evolution garbage out here. And you know what? There's been junk like this for millennia. And there'll be new junk once they finally give up on evolution, and they will, because it's absolutely unsupportable. It is such a pitiful excuse for science, it's not even funny. I used to be afraid of it, and I studied and studied all the little facts and answers in science and, and studied what is carbon dating, what is... Um, 
and I went through all this different stuff. I can't even remember it. Radioisotope dating. I studied all this stuff and because I was headed out to try and go to college and get a degree there. And I showed up at college and I went there to my biology course and I found out something. I sat there in absolute amazement and class after class and laboratory after laboratory at the absolutely unsupportable claims that they would make and their refusal and their blatant overt refusal to support their claims. They would stand up and say, evolution's fact. It's a law of science. And then they would go on and not prove it in any way and not give any kind of evidence for it. And they don't have any. They, it's science falsely so-called. If you actually look at the basis of it, there's nothing to it. And guess what they're going to do? Once they finally burn out on this bad idea, they'll come up with another bad idea. It's always easier to make a lie than to prove a lie is wrong. They'll just keep coming up with bad ideas. If you think you have to have all the answers to evolution in order to, to maintain your faith, you're wrong. You'll never have all the answers. They're always coming up with new unsupportable lies that take far more billions and far more hours to prove wrong than we have time or money for, and even far more billions of hours and money to prove them wrong than they spent on those stupid ideas to trump up fake science and prop it up and make it look real. Lies are cheap, guys. Lies are cheap. They come dime a dozen. Anybody can make up a lie. You will never get to the end of the lie tunnel. You will never prove the lies wrong. You've got to get to the truth and prove the truth true. Instead of proving the lies wrong, you need to prove the truth true. Find the truth. Hold on to the truth. And don't let anybody move you off of the truth once you have found the truth. Two plus two equals four. It doesn't matter how smart the guy is that tries to tell me it's three. I ain't going there. I've got it established. I know it's four. And I'm not moving off that ground. And that's where you've got to get. Get to the truth of God's word and keep it. Don't move. Don't let the world push you off the truth. Chapter four there of 1 Timothy verse 13 Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Stick to the Bible. Read it. Meditate on it. Know it. Love it. This doesn't mean to be ignorant of everything else in the world, but the primary thing to know is the Bible and let everything else that you know branch out from what you know to be true in the word of God. 1 Timothy 1.18, and then a bunch of wicked, sinful, wicked abominations out there, reprobate minds are going to say, look, he's so bigoted, he thinks you should start with truth and work your way out from there. And he's trying to keep you from learning all of our errors. What a bigoted, narrow-minded individual. If that's what it takes to be bigoted and narrow-minded in your eyes, and yet I have the truth, I would rather be bigoted and narrow-minded in the eyes of this world and called true by God and true to the faith, true to the word of God. By the way, that is science. True science starts with verifiable, certifiable, repeatable truth. And then it works out from the truth to discern more truth. What we have going for science today starts with error, starts with lies, starts with unsupportable assumptions that cannot be verified. 
and then works out from there based off those false presuppositions. And that's why we're in the mess that we're in. And that's why science is in an absolute retrograde. And we're going to see if the Lord tarries an absolute backfiring of the scientific system in a short amount of time because we think we're so wise and we've become so foolish, just like God said in Romans 1. First, Second Timothy 2, quickly. Second Timothy 2 and verse 16. He says, but shun profane and vain babblings, empty babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. They're always going to come up with more vain, empty babblings. If you become an expert on verse 23, foolish and unlearned questions, you will become foolish and unlearned in your attempt. It says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. You're out here, you're trying to raise your children for God. You want them to know the truth. And so you're training them how to answer all the lies that the, that the wicked people out here are telling. You're training them on how to answer the transgenders. You're training them on how to answer all the evolutionist ideas and all the evolutionist evolutionist research, you are training your children to be fools. You're training them to think like fools. Why would you do that? It says foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Stick to the Bible. Stick and then work out from the Bible to truth and teach them to discern truth and to find truth and find out knowledge through witty inventions. If you teach your children to be scientists, and actually work from verifiable, re- repeatable, testable fact and scientific law to reach conclusions, then they will not get sunk by this crowd because this crowd doesn't have any science. So just teach them to be scientists and to do their own research and to do their own testing and do their own studies and fact check things and you will have gotten them a thousand times further than you will teaching them to argue with fools. I'm telling you, the Bible says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Stop trying to teach your children to be fools. I know you're not trying to, but you are. If you're teaching them to answer the fools in their folly, you're training your children to be like fools. And boy, has that happened to the conservatives and the, and the fundamentalists in this country. As we've all started thinking and talking like the very people we've tried to um, do battle with for the sake of Christ in the intellectual realm, talking about the and in the spiritual world, the spiritual and intellectual battles of our day. Second Timothy chapter one and verse 13. Hold fast, he says, the form of sound words. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. That good thing, keep it. Don't let it go. Get the good stuff and hold on to the good stuff. And don't let people take it away from you. Listen, if it wasn't good stuff, why would they be so all fired up to take it from you? If you were really that ignorant and stupid to believe the Bible, how come it rips them off so bad that you believe it that they have to go on a war march against what you believe and try and convince you of their point of view? 
Why are they so offended by the word of God that they have to try and come and take it from you? It's because they have cow dung and you've got T-bone steak and they're jealous. But the problem is they don't want to go to God for the T-bone steak. So they're trying to convince everybody that their cow dung tastes good. That's the whole thing. Don't get into an argument about the qualities of cow dung pie. Just get back to the T-bone steak. Get back to the Bible. Go to Titus real quick. There in um, 2 Timothy 3 in verse 14, he says, But continue thou, we'll stop there, we can't skip that, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Start with truth. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, the things that have been proved, the things that have legitimate, verifiable, biblical value, knowing of whom thou hast learned them from God himself. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And then he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. And he tells them to go out and preach the word because the time's coming. They will not endure sound doctrine. They will not bear it. Titus chapter one and verse nine, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, speaking of a um, of an elder that would be ordained a bishop, he says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, not by hearsay, but by sound doctrine. It's not the th- not that he has been taught here that matters, but that the sound doctrine has been taught to him. It's sound doctrine. It stands the test. It stands in the battle. It holds up to scrutiny. It can be weighed in the balances and found to be of substance in reality. And it doesn't break anywhere in scripture. When you find real doctrine, it doesn't break from Genesis chapter one to Revelation chapter 22. It holds out. And then you know you've got sound doctrine. Hold it fast. Hold fast the faithful word. Don't let it go. Chapter 2 and verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Verse 8. He says sound speech. These are supposed to the young men. They need to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. praise the lord all right we're over time i'm going to skip some stuff here today i'll give you a couple references you can make a lot broader application to this if you use first corinthians 3 13 through 15 first corinthians 9 25 through 27 this applies to your career it applies to sports it applies to politics it applies to every area of life Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Weigh it in the balance. Weigh it against the word of God. Weigh it in the light of eternity and say, is this worth what I have to give for it? Put it in the balances. Prove it. If it's good, hold it fast. Don't let anybody take it from you. Amen. 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 Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would do this, that you'd give us grit.
And help us, Lord God, to hold fast that which is good. Give us a desire to prove all things. Help us, Lord, not to have a critical spirit, Lord, towards others, but to have a critical spirit towards truth, Father, and falsehood. Not, Lord, towards others and their opinions, but, Lord, to be humble and to search the Scriptures, whether these things be so, to prove all things and to hold fast that which is good. Make us people of the Bible, people of the book of God, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.